0: Hi and welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. My name's Andrew and Kieran's here with me today. Hi Kieran, how are you? I'm great, Andrew, thank you. And on today's show, we've got Karen Turner. Now, Karen's daughter has got Asperger's and she's told us quite a long story about how she had to deal with her daughter within the education environment and the steps she took to really improve her daughter's
1: chances. She did, Andrew. I mean, Karen's story was extremely powerful. The passion she has for, for helping her daughter is, is just so admirable. Um, lots of great tips and tools in here for, for anybody experiencing something similar. But Karen took action. She's seen what needed to be done and, and she took action. And, and to this day, it's still in progress. The work is still still needs to be done. But Karen is working extremely hard to give her daughter the best opportunities that she can give her.
0: I think that was the biggest thing, wasn't it? That she didn't just step back, she didn't accept it. She went out, she did her own research, she found out what she needed to do
1: for her daughter and she made it happen. She did make it happen and, you know, there's lots of resilience and hard work there. But, yeah, Karen was wonderful and, and um, you know, she really went into into detail about the as she described herself, Andrew, the meltdowns her daughter had and quite, you know, quite graphic and and difficult, difficult to hear, but but it's reality, it's reality and it's what our listeners need to hear because it could be one person out there who's listening today that can resonate with that story and Karen is giving tips of what worked for her that hopefully will work for them.
0: And in a, in a bit of a change to our format, at the end of the interview, we, we you reflect slightly more now, don't you, on the interview and some of the learnings and we have a recap, so there's more to listen to at the end of the show, but for now, this is Karen Turner.
1: Good morning, Karen. How are you? Um, good,
2: thank you very much, Kieran. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Well, look, Karen, thanks so much for coming and joining us here today. Karen, tell us, what is your big why? Why are you here today?
2: I am a parent of a child that's been through the school system and she has special educational needs. And my big why is, is that, really, to talk about my experience as a parent, but also to um, perhaps offer some tips to parents as well on uh, what they can do as a parent. I was literally listening to a, um, a, a podcast, something on the radio yesterday, on Helen Farmer's Show, and uh, there was a doctor there called Dr. Arif Khan. There was a parent that had come through and basically was saying, I've got all these reports, and I don't know what to do with them for my child, and I have no idea where to start. And I thought, I just want to get on, but I was driving at the time, because I could have just told them exactly what they needed to do. Um, so that, that's my big why. Um, I'm here to talk about my own personal experience and uh, to, to hopefully offer some tips to parents on, on how to navigate a, a system that's quite complex, I think, sometimes.
1: Thank you, Karen. Karen, during this time um, with your daughter and with the education system, what would you say were your, your biggest challenges?
2: I think because um, initially, um, I think just the, the, there's a little bit of a story here that I won't go all the way through it, but I think when we moved to Dubai, we were, clearly something wasn't quite right with my daughters having huge meltdowns. I went to her school, and I even went to a paediatric consultation and said, what's going on here? And they said, oh, she's just a bit quirky. And I you know, said, well, we're going to be shifting to a huge school in Dubai. Is that going to be Okay. So off we trolled, you know, with my daughter still having these meltdowns. And she's fine for the first three weeks at school. And then um, everything started to, to kind of go wrong. And we knew then that something wasn't quite right. We had conversations about how to integrate my daughter into, into the school. And then that's kind of where the journey began. And uh, initially it was uh, that she was naughty and that she was, how do you describe it? Naughty, uh, resistant... She's constantly been put outside the classroom and uh, I, mean, I was absolutely convinced something wasn't quite right. We talked to an educational psychologist who then recommended that we take my daughter off to um, see a specialist because it was noted after we'd done an, an assessment that she got what we call sensory processing issues. So she kind of interpreted the world for her sensory system in a, a very different way to your to, your average child, and she was terrified of loud noises. And would I say her capacity buckets? If you kind of get the concept of that, you know, the, the bucket was just full at the end of the day, and she'd come home and completely melt down. And she couldn't cope sometimes in the classroom. And so she was, you know, she the only way that she knew to communicate was to kind of uh, I say kick off, <laughs> uh, which resulted in her being put outside the door. So the the psych said, well, she we think that she might have. Asperger's, so, oh, hmm. so off we trotted to to um, an ed psych and, and had a bunch of assessments done that actually gave us not very much information that she got processing speed issue but that could be explained away, to then going off for another assessment for autism and we discovered she got Asperger's and so that explained away a lot of the challenges that she was facing in the school environment, she just processes information completely differently to your average child. And so the next few years were quite challenging.
1: Karen, for those who, who don't know what Asperger is, how would you describe it?
2: I would describe it as, uh, and you know, in Asperger's, it, every child with Asperger's is different. The, I can talk in the context of my daughter. She sees the world through a very different lens. Okay, and I would describe it as probably looking at the stars, for example. This is an analogy I drew the other day, and I thought I quite like this, so I'll use this again. Looking at the stars, yeah, and until you draw a line joining the stars up, you won't see the big dipper, yeah? That will see stars, and she won't be able to join the dots and make the picture to get a full representation of what she's seeing okay so what she sees is what she gets so if you say what do you see she'd say i see stars whereas somebody else might have been able to draw the line around the stars and say well i can see the big dipper does that make sense so she's great at facts she's absolutely fantastic she sees the world i had this conversation the other day she sees the world in pictures she sees movies in her head and i thought that's absolutely fascinating she can see something and remember in the minutest detail. So, for example, she watched War Horse years ago. She remembered liking the scenery in War Horse and she remembered a particular bridge. And literally last week, she was running through some photographs of the Cotswolds because she was just looking at houses and she spotted this bridge and she said... Oh, I remember that bridge. Where have I seen that bridge? And she said, ah, she did a little ding, 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 ding. I saw that bridge in Warhorse. and it was like about 10 years ago when she saw the film. She remembered that bridge. And so we have looked at it and it's in Castle Coombe and it's just outside of Chiflund. So it's right near the Cotswolds. So, I mean, for me as a mum, just sitting there and getting that insight into the way she visualises information in her head, it's just absolutely fascinating. But going back to that star analogy is what she sees is what she sees yeah and doesn't necessarily join the dance so she'll be sitting at a conversation at the dinner table and we'll all be talking about we could be talking about um i don't know politics what's going on in iraq or in the ukraine and all of a sudden she'll say oh can i tell you a joke <laughs> and it doesn't quite fit mm-hmm. yeah so she's she's not really getting the full picture which is the the challenge for her but she's super smart um, but somebody would say that, well, not necessarily a great deal of common sense, but interestingly, in a crisis, she will spot what needs to be done. She'll spot the detail.
1: Beautifully put there, Karen, and you give a lovely description of, of how it is and, and how your experience is. Just going back, Karen, you mentioned, you mentioned that um, your daughter has experienced some meltdowns. Could you take us back to one of these meltdowns to give the listeners an example?
2: Yeah I can because this is the one that sticks most in my head and it's the one that sticks most in my daughter's head and um and, you know it's yeah this one is quite emotive for me um when my daughter was um sitting in a classroom one day just could not figure out what was going on um was too frightened to tell the teacher that she didn't understand what was going on and the teacher thought she was being lazy and belligerent and resistant. And, you know, I'd had the conversation with the teacher afterwards. Well, I told her, I explained it to her, I gave her this, and she sat there and she did nothing. And what actually happened was, because the teacher thought she was being belligerent and resistant, her form teacher happened to walk in. And um, my daughter, at that, this point, was in tears, you know, and the form teacher just pointed at her and said, "You out now," after having a quiet conversation with, with the teacher teaching the lesson and she went outside and she just started crying um, uncontrollably and pulling her at her hair. Uh, the teacher that was there at that time called for assistance and a learning support. Um, the head of learning support came down and grabbed her wrists. At that point, she, she kicked out. The teacher then pinned her over the cubby and then proceeded to drag her down the the corridor. And I, that incident for my daughter was just kind of a a defining moment for her in terms of her experience of school. Yeah, it was just just horrendous. So that was her meltdown there not able to express herself or tell anybody who didn't know how to tell anybody what was going on with, with her own little mind resulted in her effectively, I mean, I understand why the teachers did what they did, yeah, to stop her pulling her hair. But had they known better, perhaps it would have been dealt with better. So that's one example of a meltdown. Other meltdowns would be literally her just what do I describe it, just going off on one where you cannot rationale, you can't reason with your child. They are in a crumbled heap on the floor and you as a parent have absolutely no idea what's going on or why that has happened. It will be something as small as... You look at these children, you think, oh, they're having a tantrum, but they're not having a tantrum. What it is, and I know what it is now, but then I didn't. You know, all I'd see is my daughter just completely losing the plot, screaming her head off, um, being completely uncontrollable. You you can't reason. You, I could just couldn't reason with her. And as a parent just standing there going, well, what is going on here? This cannot be normal. Is this, is this what other children do? So a meltdown would, yeah, look, look, look like her beating herself up, maybe hitting her head or hitting herself, usually on a crumpled heap on the floor, just inconsolable. Horrendous, just horrible.
1: Karen, I appreciate that um, taking you back to these, these examples can't be easy. So, thank you so much for, for, for giving us a clear insight. Karen, what strategies did you use to, um, to overcome these challenges?
2: Okay, so because, and I think what's really, really important to note here, and understand that things have changed quite significantly in Dubai since we arrived here. Uh, you know, my daughter's grown up now. Um, but when I got the reports, um, the reports made a number of recommendations. Some of those you know, standard 25% extra time in the classroom, breaks, movement breaks, therabands on, on, tied on the chair, uh, because she always got say, sensory issues. But I couldn't find what I needed, what my daughter, I felt, really, really needed as well was social skills, training, if you like. And I couldn't find any of this in Dubai. I couldn't find it anywhere. And so what I then did, so I just researched up the yin yang, and I also, one night remembering at two o'clock in the morning, just being so beside myself, I sat there just crying, two o'clock in the morning, I thought, who who do I turn to? What do I do? I just don't know what to do. And I I wrote to a a lady called Cathy Hootman, who wrote a book called Asperger's in the Classroom. And I wrote to her, and thank goodness she wrote back, and and I went to go and see her, and then I got this brilliant book called Asperger's in the Classroom. I also researched Asperger's and another chap in the the US called Danny Rady, who has Asperger's himself. I'm like, who are the best people to talk to you about Asperger's? Apart from those people that have actually got it themselves. And he's got a fantastic website. And what I did, I understood something called the sensory funnel, okay? And how children move through the sensory funnel, how their capacity bucket becomes full and how they become overwhelmed. I also understood as well. What he called defense mode is when children are so overwhelmed, they shut down. He calls it defense mode. And as a parent, instead of you going, eh, 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 you need to do this, you need to do that, is Well, what I would call mindful parenting is stop. Check yourself as a parent. Look at the child through their own lens. Try and step for a moment into their space and go, what are they experiencing? What are they feeling? Behind every behavior is a positive intention. And that's not necessarily it's great behavior behind, oh, I need something good out of this. A positive intention is that they need to, uh, they need something to make them feel, you know, whatever it is they need to feel. So the positive intention is I need this, and so therefore I'm going to do this. So if a child is shut down, they're shut down because they're just overwhelmed. Yeah. So I went researching and I, I took a lot of information from Danny Rady, Asperger's expert. I took a lot of information from Kathy Hoopman and her Asperger's in the classroom. And then I did my own research and ended up following a chap in the UK who's developed a program that works on neural pathways to develop skills capability which is a lot of the time what kids with Asperger's, with ADHD, with dyslexia don't have, and that's where the root cause of the child's problems is, I believe, and the science supports that. It starts in a piece of the brain called the cerebellum and the skills capability or lack of lack of skills capability. So when they're kicking off, they haven't got the resources available to enable them to cope. With life the way that most people do, or they've got sensory issues, in the world's too to overwhelming. But anyway, so there. there. I hope that's answered the question. That's where I got my my support from.
1: It sure has, Karen. Um, it sounds as like if you took action. You, you seen what needed to be done, and you just took control of the situation and 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 went for it. And um, and where are you now with this? Um, has has all these strategies paid off? What's the end result?
2: Well, I think what you what we've ended up now. My daughter is. Uh, just about to leave school we've never been able to affect the change that she needs to have the confidence and self-esteem to walk out into life we know we've got this little box of tricks an amazing person that is locked away that we're still working on I talk to her I listen to her but unfortunately what she has taken away from her earliest childhood experiences in school have, has um, affected her self-esteem. So we've got the skills capability now, but we've got not got the emotional resourcefulness just yet. So we know she can do, we know she's highly capable, but sadly she's kind of, she's found school challenging. The social skills deficit has had a massive, massive impact on her ability to kind of, make friends and she's fearful of even trying to make friends with people now um so where are we we're kind of 50 percent there i would say in terms of me as an individual what i've learned as a parent i've taken all of that and i've taken it into my organization that i've developed called i optimize me to support Individuals, and because when you grow up, you don't get. You know, I think it was interesting. One of the teachers said to me, "Gosh, we thought she would have grown." You know, most children grow out of this. I'm like, no, most children find ways of adapting. They carry this stuff into adulthood, and they carry any of the trauma they've had as a, a, a child in the in the family home, or as a child in the school environment, and they take that forward. So, so now everything that I've learned, I'm still working with my daughter. But I'm now bringing that out, to, bringing that to other people to to support and help them be what we say is to realize your full potential. And that's working on the skills, it's about skills development, but also working on the emotional piece as well. I'm not a psychologist, I need to point that out, but I don't believe that psychologists are absolutely required in every single challenge that we've got to face in life. And so they're the, the areas of work that I focus in on.
1: Well, Karen, well done for, for getting that 50% and, and good luck with the rest and the rest of the journey. Your daughter's very lucky to have you, Karen, so you're doing a wonderful job. The education system, how do you think it's nurturing students like your daughter?
2: From where my daughter is at the moment, they've, they've been absolutely fantastic. Cannot fault them. I know there is significantly more to, to do. And I think the education system, how they're nurturing children, I think, it's a Band-Aid solution. I think schools need to to explore more. Don't rely so much on... This is going to I'm putting it out here. Educational psychologists are not the answer to everything. They provide you with a report. What frustrated me was having the reports and then having none of the stuff available to enable me to support my daughter or for, to, to be able to take her board to, to get the things that she needed to to, to help her survive. Schools look outside, be curious, search for alternative solutions. Don't just rely on the accommodations that you get in a report. Allow the child to be the child that they need to be. You know, if they've got a strength in art, and I know schools do this sometimes, but you know, I think when kids have got sensory issues and they're sitting in the school classroom and we go, oh, we need to give them a movement break. Do you know what? Consider allowing them to just learn and move towards what it is that they want to learn. And I know that's probably easier said than done because I'm not a teacher. I've been in a classroom once and just remembered thinking, gosh, this is like a whirlwind learning experience. I just think schools need to really, relook really look at how they teach children, if you like, and look at it as a blended learning opportunity and provide blended learning opportunities. So the kids that are great on technology, obviously they use it on technology. Those that are kids that are artistic. Let them use their art. And you'll find lots of kids with dyslexia are very, very creative, very artistic. Yes, we need to learn maths. Yes, we need to, to learn to write. Do we all need to be creative writers? No, we don't. Some kids find that really, really hard. If they find it hard, give them something else to do. It's not necessary. <laughs> I'm getting on my soapbox here. Um, if they struggle with maths, yes, some kids struggle with number blindness. They really cannot do maths. So give them extra something else that they are good at or they enjoy doing. Instead of making school miserable, make it a happy place. And I know there are schools here that are doing a fantastic job doing that. But sometimes I think, God almighty, we're so focused in on pushing our kids through 50 million after-school activities. We forget about creating an enjoyable learning experience for the child. And so many kids now are coming out of school with skills that they may find useful going going forward, obviously. But I think there's more often than not a lot of children coming out of school now with anxiety and real self-esteem issues. And I think that's where the focus needs to to go. We spend so much time in school that we need to focus more on producing children that are well-rounded, balanced and happy and stop focusing so much on the targeting and the academics. Yeah, we all find our way. you only got to look at the likes of Steve Jobs, didn't finish school. Richard Branson, didn't finish school. I don't know about Elon Musk, but he's got Asperger's. But even he was asking the other day, why do people have to go and be pushed through the education mill to go and get a degree?
1: Well, um, from, from my understanding, Elon Musk is a college dropout anyway. So um, there definitely is a pattern there. And as you probably know already, I'm a massive believer of, of soft skills, you know, skills that uh, that students need in the real world, you know. And um, I think the idea of, of creativity you know, reflection, teamwork, independence—all of this kind of stuff. There's definitely room for it, and we must also address that there are many schools out there and some outstanding teachers creating a classroom environment like this. So, um, look, I, I, I see, I see lessons myself, and I look and I think, "Wow, I wish you were my teacher." You know, so it is happening out there. We just need to, we just need to find it and and to um, and to see it happening more often. Karen, what advice would you give to, to other parents out there who are experiencing what you've experienced?
2: Let me just start from the where you when you're starting with this and you notice something's not quite right with your child and they're getting into s- trouble at school and you know, the, you're perhaps one of those parents as I was that where you're constantly having to go and pick your child up from school because they're misbehaving or whatever it is they're doing or they need time out, is to get all your ducks in a row. Go Do you need a diagnosis. Dig deep. Go and find out what's going with the child. Go and see your psychologist, your paediatrician or whatever, and find out what's going on. Then do your own research. There's plenty of really fantastic information out there that you can use. I would suggest also looking to mindful parenting. Your environment at home is really, really critical to, to how your child develops, just as it is in the school. Create positive dialogue with your school but also be an advocate for your child, okay? The experts are the experts in terms of being able to provide guidance and advice, but you are a parent and you know your child best. Advocate for your child when they can't be advocated for. And moving beyond the reports, it's just, I think most parents are, aren't they? We, I always describe myself as, as mummy lion. <laughs> got a, a, a big role, I'm always going to be there to protect my child. Just be there for your child. Try and look at life through their lens. And if you've got kids on the autistic spectrum, I would highly recommend Kathy Hootman's book, Education in uh, I suppose in the Classroom, that I'd also recommend. going and look for Danny Rady. If you've got a child with ADHD, look for a chap called Ned Halliwell, who's an expert in ADHD, and he also has ADHD himself. Go find the people that have got the challenge that your child is facing, and get it from an adult's perspective.
1: Wonderfully put, Karen. Thank you for that. And then we can put all of these names in the in the bio as well with the podcast, Karen. Just to wrap things up, I optimize me. Tell me about it.
2: Oh, I optimize me is working on holistically on an individual from the inside out. So. This is based on the premise of my own experience is that, you know, I've mentioned already that my daughter um, has come out of school, she's about to finish school and she's got self-esteem and she's self-worthless, she's, you know, all the emotional baggage that she's now carrying forward into life. I Optimize Me, we work on, at the core of what we do is something called Zing Performance, which is about building neural pathways and that's about making or enabling the cerebellum to, to work better. There's not enough time in this podcast to talk about that in more detail but effectively, what we do is we take a two two pronged approach. We look at the the cerebellum. We do an assessment on that and how it's working. Look at the skills deficits and the learning opportunities. Okay, and we put we've got a program that works on an app um, that biohacks the um, the cerebellum, stimulates the growth of new stem cells in the brain and also finishes off the growth of other neural pathways that may have been stunted for whatever reason, perhaps trauma or some uh, catastrophic event in, in life, or, or maybe even just a def- difficult birth. And then we look at the individual as well. So whilst we've got people on this program here, which is working on the brain, the skills to so skills, mastery, and competence, we then also work on the, the individual themselves. So either using neuro-linguistic programming, and uh, other coaching techniques to enable a person to look at themselves in a more beneficial way, if you like, and tap into their own inner resourcefulness to be the person that they want to be. We explain to them how life cha- cha- shapes us, if you like, from, from naught to, to nine. And actually, we don't have to be a slave to you know our in, internal roadmap that was created at that age, and actually we can. We can change it. And so, you know, hopefully combining the two is that we we bring individuals out on the other side and they've got the mastery, the emotional awareness, if you like, uh, the ability to make change and see themselves in a different light and and, uh, move through life with with competence and, and confidence.
1: Karen, the passion, I can see it in your eyes as you're talking about this. It sounds so exciting. So well done for creating this and good luck with the future to wherever it goes.
2: Thank you very, very much. We are so excited. Um, Really do believe in what it is that we're doing.
1: Karen, where can people find you and more about iOptimize.me?
2: Okay, so www.iOptimize.me.com. We're also on Um, Facebook and Instagram and you'll know you're going to ask me the handles and I can't remember at the top of my head.
1: No problem no we can put that in the uh, the bio also Karen so so no no worries that that way. Karen look it's been a pleasure to speak to you today thank you so much for sharing your personal story and thank you for giving us an insight into your daughter's challenges. Karen I've got no doubt that your your voice will help many out there so thank you so much.
2: You're very welcome and thank you Kieran it's been a pleasure
0: so Kieran that was Karen Turner what did you what did you think
1: yeah I mean it was a credit to Karen who um who gave out many strategies for anyone out there whose children have um have any difficulties or challenges in particular Asperger's um you know Karen Karen was strong Karen was strong understandably not everybody has got the resources and strength that she may have Karen decided to, to take action, to do her own, own research, to find the right people in the area, to find the know-how, and speak to these people, you know? And it just shows the, the power of communication here again. She seen what had to be done, and she just took it, she went for it. And it's not easy. You know, I've been in a classroom for nearly 20 years, and I see a phenomenal amount of different personalities. And of course, we've got challenging children. We've got talented children. We've got every type of child. And it's hard for the teacher to cater for everybody. A perfect education system differentiates for everyone. And of course, you know, creating perfection is not an easy task. Um, and there's some phenomenal teachers out there who, who do amazing things, you know. But as Karen has, has, has showed, her daughter was not so lucky at times. And the education of the people dealing with her, I suppose is probably the main area that needs focusing on here if we're all educated to deal with all of these types of different types of behaviours then um then we'll be able to help in the, in the right manner not the wrong manner
0: she was she was fairly critical in places about the education regime and how you know how we are educated and you're a teacher so you must have had a, a visceral reaction to that how, how did that make you feel and, and do you think she's got a point
1: Of course, she's got a point because it's her view, it's, it's what she's experienced. But um, I think we need to appreciate that that's not everybody's view and that other people have experienced the complete opposite um, when it comes to the education system. Personally, for me, you know, the school system was not for me. It was not for many of my friends. You know, the system was putting me in a very different place to where I am today. I've been lucky. You know, of course, I worked very hard since I left school. On my journey, I met many people who kept bringing me to the next level and the next level. And, and 18 years after getting a, a pretty poor uh, education, I got a first class honours master's degree. And, and I don't get me wrong, Andrew, I worked extremely hard to get that result. And, I, and in fairness, I didn't work hard in school, but I, I do look back and I think, why? Why did I not work hard in school? What, why was I not engaged? You know, and I'm not, tr- look at it, it's very easy to blame the system. I want to take complete ownership of this, that, of my own failings. But um, I do look at teachers now and I go, wow, I wish you were my teacher. If I had a teacher like you, mm. I would have excelled at school. You know, I did probably, I think I did maybe seven years at university. that probably should have t- taken three, you know. So um, yeah. as I said, I had determination, you know, and, 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 and I went for it. But but other people, you know, other people would have got that grade, and, and, and got that first job and potentially are still in that first job. And, and I know so many people with massive potential, but they're just not filled with, with a belief that, that, that they can do more, they can go further. You know, I'm a massive believer of personality and, and where personality can get you. And, and when we leave school, we leave with a number. We leave with a number. And that number can define your life. It really, really can. And for many people, it has defined mm. their life.
0: And then sitting with the other hat on, so you're a teacher, but you're also a parent. What are you doing to make sure your children are having the best education that they can? Because you obviously, you see it from two sides, don't you?
1: You see the teacher side, you see the parent side. What are you doing? I try to take a step back. You know, I've, I've come across some challenging parents in my teaching career. And I always look at them and I think, I don't want to be that person. You know, so I try and give plenty of trust with the teacher. Look, at my, my children are very, very young. Um, my daughter, Sophia, is in pre-KG. So, you know, there's not much emphasis as far as I'm concerned on the academic development. For me, it's about her soft skills and her social socializing with other students and other, you know, kids and, and playing and being creative and getting dirty and and taking risks, you know. And the same when I bring them to the mm-hmm. park you know i, I don't <laughs> i let them climb i let them do that 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 thing that they probably shouldn't be doing cuz i just want them to explore and um from a parent's mm. perspective and i hope i maintain this throughout i don't want to be a helicopter parent i don't want to be challenging teachers i want to trust the teacher because the teachers are human being a very highly qualified person who you know who works extremely hard you know i do think teachers get a raw deal in, in, in the current environment and um, you know for me from a parent's perspective it's just about giving that freedom trusting the system trusting what 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 trusting the growth of that human being because that's at the end of the day that's what it's about and we want it to link you know for me I want education to link to real life and in a real life environment you know you go to work you socialize with people you communicate with people. You, you, you you know, you solve problems, you take risks, you reflect, you know, you work on your own, you meet deadlines, you work with people in groups and, you know, it's everything. So I, I think mm. if the, if the real working world is everything, then we need to make education everything. Now, with my teacher's hat back on again, of course, it's not as easy as that. It's not as easy as that. But one thing I do know is that there's some amazing things happening in the classroom. There's some outstanding teachers, some outstanding schools out there, and, and, and there's lots of systems that are doing a wonderful job. Doesn't mean that system caters for every child, but like Karen beautifully put today, you know, she looked, she researched, she found out what system will suit my child. Maybe that's the solution for everybody.
0: You're absolutely right. And we could talk about this for hours, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, We really hope you enjoyed Karen today. And we've got all her links in the show notes. And we will look forward to seeing you next time. See you soon, Kieran. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much. All the best.